chasing dramas. Today we will talk a bit about glitz and glamour, and then a bunch of statistics. I am your host for today, Kathy. Karen is a bit tied up at work today, so it will just be me. This podcast is in English with proper nouns and certain phrases spoken in Mandarin Chinese. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us on Instagram or Twitter. We also do have a forum set up now on our website www.chasingdramas.com, so feel free to post there with any thoughts or discussion topics. We have a couple of pretty cool items to discuss today, so we will dive right on in. First off is a huge congratulations to the lovely and badass Michelle Yeoh for her Oscar win in the Best Actress category on Sunday. She did such an amazing job in the movie Everything Everywhere All at Once, and this Oscar was so well deserved. Also, I mean, just looking at her filmography, she definitely deserves this win. You guys might be surprised to find out, but I do like watching Hollywood movies and network TV shows and Netflix, so I do follow, for example, the Oscars come award season. This year, I was definitely paying attention to kind of which movies were in the running, and I thought earlier on that it was going to be a tough choice between Kate Blanchett and Michelle Yeoh. So I personally am so happy that Michelle won. Again, Kate, I thought, did an amazing job in Tar, but this year I thought was Michelle's year. To those of you who haven't seen the movie, go check it out. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and it looks like everyone else, from myself to the Oscar voters, did. So, you know, it's available. Go check it out. This makes or this win makes Michelle Yeoh only the second woman of color to win the Best Actress award. The first being, of course, Halle Berry. I will say Michelle looked stunning in her white Dior dress. According to Vogue, the dress was designed by Maria Grazia Chiuri and was made of ivory silk organza with cascading feathers all over it. Looking at her on stage, I was like, "Oh my gosh! Can you believe Michelle Yeoh is sixty years old? I 100% want to look that good when I'm her age." Also, the stunts that she did for the movie. Yes, I also want to be able to do that at her age. Never mind my age right now. So we've actually talked about Michelle Yeoh a little bit during our discussion of Shang Chi last year. In Mandarin, her name is Yang Zicheng, and she actually hails from a Malaysian Chinese family. She learned to speak Cantonese in the 1980s as she turned to the Hong Kong market and rose to fame in. Hong Kong action films in the 1990s, starring opposite the stars such as Donnie Yen, Jet Li, and Jackie Chan. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have not seen some of the classic Hong Kong movies of the 80s and 90s, I highly recommend that you find yourself a rainy day and put one on. They're very, very entertaining and hold up in their own way. I remember in college when I went back home, my mom had I think a movie or two that starred Maggie Chung, and I barely remember the plot, but I just remember saying, "Oh my goodness, all of these ladies are gorgeous and are so just mesmerizing." So again, I think a couple you can find on Netflix or YouTube. So if you're able to go check some of them out. Back to Michelle. <laughs> Michelle, as we've said. 
also has had her fair share of international blockbusters, including Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, the Bond film, Tomorrow Never Dies, Memoirs of a Geisha, Crazy Rich Asians, Shang-Chi, and of course, everything, everywhere, all at once. A fun little fact for the movie Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragons, as I mentioned, uh, Michelle Yeoh spoke Cantonese, but the rest of the cast spoke Mandarin, and her co-star, Chow Yun-Fat, didn't want for the movie to have both of them dubbed, or him dubbed, so he practiced and practiced his Mandarin. Michelle, of course, being the badass that she is, also practiced her Mandarin so that both of these, both who hail from the Hong Kong entertainment industry, spoke Mandarin in that movie. I thought that they both did a pretty good job, but in my personal opinion, I think, I actually think that Michelle's Mandarin has improved significantly in the subsequent years. For those of you who haven't seen Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, if you're in the US, it is on Amazon, so go check it out. Michelle has rightfully deserved all of her accolades this past award season, and I am very, very happy for her. For you listeners, definitely go check out her filmography. It spans four decades, and there's a lot for everyone. If you're interested in some of her early Hong Kong movies, I would recommend checking out Tai Chi Master, or in Mandarin, Tai Chi Zhang Sanfeng, or Wing Chun or Yong Chun, as my recommendations for Hong Kong martial arts films. All right, now keeping up with the Oscar theme. I know we talked about her, this celebrity, last week at Fashion Week, but the 41-year-old Fen Bingbing rocked the Oscar red carpet this year with a bedazzled silver Tony Ward couture gown and a statement green sleeve and cape detail. I personally thought she looked stunning. And I think many others did too because I saw that she made quite a couple of red carpet best dressed lists. So I'm pretty happy for her. I'm going to spend a couple minutes to speculate on Fen Bingbing's current strategy. Is she trying to star in more Hollywood movies? By being at the Oscars, she'll get to meet more people? I don't know. She did have the movie 355 come out last year, which I think was pretty universally panned. But taking a look at that cast, it includes Jessica Chastain, Penelope Cruz, Diane Kruger, Lupita Nyong'o, all, you know, pretty big stars in their own right. So, you know, she has been able to have these opportunities outside of China. So I don't know. Those are different options for her. She's definitely turning eyes on red carpets in the West, both here at the Oscars and at Fashion Week. So we'll see. What's interesting is Michelle Yeoh reached number one on Weibo in China after her win. And, you know, due to her history with the Hong Kong and also the Chinese entertainment industry, there was a lot of buzz and people were talking about her a lot. But people in China were also kind of whispering about Fan Bingbing because of her performances or her great showing at the red carpet. It's interesting because it doesn't seem like she's completely blacklisted now in China because people were able to post some photos of her. She definitely wasn't trending, but people, as I said, were whispering about her. She also, Fan Bingbing that is, also posted on Weibo 
So this already puts her kind of in a different league compared to other blacklisted celebrities. Most of the people we've talked about previously who were blacklisted, such as Chris Wu and Thung Luen, have all had their accounts banned. Maybe there will be a softening on her. Who knows? But all I'll say is please, ladies and gentlemen, pay your taxes. <laughs> all right, that was the glitz and glamour portion of the podcast. Now we will turn our attention to a lot of statistics. We recently received a pretty great listener suggestion on talking about the social media landscape in China. So we decided to actually break this podcast up into two parts. We will talk about apps in general in China. And then for the next podcast episode, we will focus on social media apps in particular. The reason why I want to talk about uh, the apps landscape in China in general is because in mainland China, many of the non-Chinese platforms and apps are banned. This means that users in China do not have access to Google, Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, or Twitter. Uber, for example, is also not available. And this means that there's a ton of homegrown apps that dominate the landscape and a lot of them serve the same purpose as the Googles and the Facebooks of the world, but I think it would be interesting to have you, the listeners who aren't as familiar with these apps, become acquainted to what Chinese users use on a daily basis. In addition, I think that this would be a good way for those of you who watch a lot of modern day Chinese dramas to become more familiar with these apps because a lot of times these are the apps that, for example, the characters are using in those shows. There is one app in particular that dominate in both countries, at least China and in the US. And can you guys guess which one it is? Well, it's going to be TikTok or in China, Douyin. But let me hold off on that discussion for the next podcast episode. So I found a nice little article from 2022 that shows the top apps and I'm going to do my best to provide a recap and my thoughts on these apps because I have used quite a few of them. The most popular app in China is, of course, Weixin or WeChat. This is developed by Tencent. I'll spoil it now. A lot of apps on this top 20 list <laughs> are developed or produced by Tencent. In June 2022, this app had 1 billion, yes, 1 billion with a B, monthly active users. WeChat is an instant messaging app, but it's also much more than that. It's also a social media app and a payment app. I have one personally to talk to family in China, and it's quite convenient because you can video chat, you can also send voice messages, you can also post your own photos and stuff to your moments so that, you know, people in your family circle or whichever circle you want to have know what you're up to. Kind of like your stories on Instagram. You can also use WeChat to pay for literally everything. It is a functionality called WeChat Pay, and it's basically just scan a QR code and you're good. <laughs> WeChat Pay is really convenient for people who live in China because essentially, as long as you have your phone, you just scan and everything in China is right now QR based. However, the payment functionality wasn't that easy for non-Chinese citizens, a.k.a. myself. <laughs> I remember visiting China in September of 2019 
And even at that point, WeChat Pay was all the rage. It was all about, okay, let me scan your QR code. And I arrived all set with my credit cards and cash. And I distinctly remember so many places saying, no, sorry, we can't service you because we do not accept cash or credit card. You must pay by either WeChat Pay or Alipay, which is another one of the top apps that I'll talk about. It was quite funny because a bunch of people were probably thinking, who is this weirdo without WeChat Pay? I remember going to a restaurant that cost, you know, a certain amount. And I was like, hey, can I pay with cash? And she kind of stared at me. It was like, do you have WeChat Pay? And I was like, no. And then she was like, fine. And then she said, I don't have like singles for change. And I was like, you know what? That's okay. As long as I can pay, I'm good. Anyways, since then, though, you can now link your Visa and MasterCard. So life got much easier. But yes, September 2019 was pre-pandemic times even before Apple Pay and Google Pay, and I don't think those work in China, but my life would have been much easier if I had WeChat Pay at that time. (laughs) All in all, WeChat is the app literally everyone uses. In TV shows and dramas, this is what people use to text and talk to each other. It's very rarely using like SMS text or like, you know, the iPhone text messages. It's all about WeChat. Okay, next, with a whopping 870 million monthly active users is Taobao, which is an e-commerce platform. Think of it as similar to eBay. Taobao literally means search for treasure. So you just do that. Consumers or companies sell and you buy either at a fixed price or on auction. A lot of times, these companies will post their goods on Taobao with some fire sales and people just rush to go and buy them. This platform is owned by Alibaba, which is one of the biggest Chinese companies out there. Speaking of Taobao, you often hear the phrase Taobao feng or the Taobao style because you can get smaller brands on the website or app. Sometimes Taobao feng is kind of derogatory because the quality might not be as good as let's say, you know, if you just go to a standard store like a Macy's, but the prices you get at Taobao can't be beat. Taobao's preferred payment platform is Alipay or Zhifubao, which comes in third on our list with 790 million monthly active users. You can probably figure it out just by the name, but Alibaba also owns Alipay. Alipay is now the world's largest digital payment platform, greater than both WeChat Pay and for those of us more familiar, PayPal. I personally don't have Alipay because I just use WeChat Pay, but I think most people have both. Fourth on the list with 680 million active users is our first social media platform, Douyin or the Chinese version of TikTok. Douyin is specifically the Chinese version, and it took off years earlier than TikTok. TikTok is, of course, that import and is a separate kind of platform compared to Douyin. I'm going to leave my discussion of Douyin for our next episode. But as we can see, Douyin is by far and away the biggest social media platform in China right now. In fifth place, we have Tool, which is kind of a Google Maps-like app with also 680 million monthly active users. In sixth place, there's Pinduoduo with 630 million monthly active users. And this is an interesting app or company. The company started out as an agriculture 
online retailer to help farmers sell their goods. And then they expanded to other consumer categories. So on there, you can buy like fruits and vegetables from farmers directly. In seventh place, we have QQ, which is another messaging app, courtesy of, of course, Tencent. It is more of like a legacy Tencent app. I remember having a QQ account when I was in basically, I think middle school or high school, and I have not touched it in a while. I'm honestly surprised that it's still ranked this highly. In eighth place is our first search engine, Baidu. Baidu is basically um, the equivalent of Google in China. There's also Baidu Maps, which is 12th on this list. There's Baidu Baike, which is basically like Wikipedia. Then there's also Baidu Tieba, which is like an online community or forum. Baidu, especially Tieba, was much more popular in the earlier years of the internet. Since then, it has gone eclipsed by the likes of Weibo and of course Douyin. And I'm talking about Tieba as like this online community. Um, it has really fallen off on usership. Like also the people who use the app are probably or use Tieba probably older, like more late millennials. So people, of course, now tend or trend towards Douyin and Weibo. Baidu, the search engine itself only has 600 million monthly active users. I say only because WeChat has over 1 billion. You'd be surprised that Baidu is only eighth on the list when you compare how ingrained Google, I guess, is ingrained in my life. But um, when you look at the functionalities, WeChat actually also has search. So maybe that's why Baidu as an app is only eighth. I mean, also, yes, this is just a top apps list. Baidu has its own separate online presence that very much functions as a Google.com, which of course WeChat doesn't have. Ninth and 10th place are apps, which are interestingly enough by Sogo and Baidu and are apps for you to pick the way you want to type Chinese into your phone. There's actually several ways uh, as a Chinese user to type Chinese into your phone as text. So I totally get it. I prefer to type in pinyin because that's easy for me and it takes less time if I'm on a keyboard. But some people do prefer handwriting and these apps give you the option. In 11th place, we finally get to Weibo with 490 million active users. 490 million active users is still larger than the whole population of the United States. And Weibo is the social media platform for us that we definitely talk about the most because that's where the headlines come from. And that's also where you clearly can see what's trending and not. We will get into Weibo very much in our next podcast episode. All right, let's finish off the top 20. Number 12 is Baidu Maps, another uh, product of Baidu. Number 13 is Jingdong, another e-commerce app. Number 14, we have on our list, ITE, one of the video streaming platforms that we talked about. It ranks pretty highly with uh, 440 million monthly active users. Then we have QQ Browser at number 15, which is an online browser similar to Chrome or Safari, which gets us to another 10 cent app. And then, of course, number 16 is Tencent Video, which is one of the major competitors of ITE. And of course, another uh, 
platform or app by Tencent. Number 17, we have Show, which is another social media short video streaming app, which is a competitor, or I would say pretty much a direct competitor to Douyin or the TikTok equivalent. Number 18, we have Wi-Fi Master, which is a Wi-Fi sharing app. I did not know about this app, but this also has 350 million monthly active users. Number 19, we have Meituan, which is a shopping platform that basically combines DoorDash, Yelp, and TripAdvisor all into one. It's very, very useful if, of course, you have all of uh, WeChat Pay or Alipay uh, linked. But this is like a delivery app all in one. And finally, number 20 is Jin Tiao or today's news, which is basically an aggregator of news. And I personally do enjoy reading that um, because then I can also check if I don't go on Weibo. Hey, what's the news that's not just like entertainment news for me? So that was the top 20. And you'll see in the top 20, there's three social media apps, two video streaming apps, but the rest are messaging, payments, e-commerce, and search. So I just listed the top 20. Do these types of apps surprise you? Were you expecting this list? Did you know any of these apps? And I think this is really cool to compare to because you know, just looking at the apps that we use or that I personally use, there's a couple that are equivalent, but you know, I probably, well, never mind. I would say I use Amazon quite a bit, but for some of the agriculture apps, I don't think we have an equivalent in the US. So it's um, a quite an interesting list. Before we end this episode, once again, let's just gawk at these numbers. The top 20 all had over 340 monthly active users. Man, just to service one country, that's so many people. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast episode. I would love to hear your thoughts about uh, the Oscars and this particular list of apps. We will catch you all in the next podcast episode. Bye.